You're listening to Campus Review Radio. How would you say the protests or flood the campus have gone so far? Protests have gone fantastically well, Jane. So overall, it's been very successful. At the University of Queensland, we had students occupy their chancellery building for 10 hours. That was uh, involved a long period of negotiation between the chief operating officer. And it was pretty excellent to see that the University of Queensland taking the students seriously. They sent the chief operating officer away from the, an executive's retreat to meet with the students. And through that process of negotiations, the students and the university were able to reach an agreeable outcome, a mutually agreeable outcome. And the chancellor will actually be reading out a statement about divestment at this Thursday's council meeting. And further to that, the university has committed to ongoing negotiations and discussions with the students. And considering that the university, the vice chancellor, had not before once met with the students before, this is a really big step forward for the campaign. And the students are very pleased with the outcome. But UQ didn't make a solid commitment to divestment? No, they haven't made a commitment to divestment. And that, I think, That is disappointing for a lot of the students, but they understand that sometimes these things can take time and they're committed to working on this for the long haul. They also understand that the University of Queensland, more so than a lot of other universities in Australia, the ties to the fossil fuel industry are stronger. For example, there's the Centre for Coal Seam Gas at the University of Queensland. And so we expect that the University of Queensland will be more difficult than other universities to move. This is quite a contrast to the response you guys got from the University of New South Wales, is it? That's right. That's exactly right, James. So at the University of New South Wales, unfortunately, after waiting three years for a meeting, students were set to meet with Vice-Chancellor Ian Jacobs at 4pm on a Monday, and the Vice-Chancellor just didn't turn up to the meeting. Um, it seems as though the occupation and the protests were too much for the Vice-Chancellor and the University Executives, um, which is a shame because it was a lost opportunity for the University and students to have a discussion about this. Um, And the students, because of the lost opportunity, they'll be continuing their protests. They have withdrawn from their occupation as of last night, um, but they'll be using this position of having gained a lot more interest in the campaign to try and drive this further forward into the future. But senior management at UNSW and Vice-Chancellor say they were quite keen to have a negotiation, but it got cancelled because of the occupation. Well, that was a public statement that they sent out to all 50,000 staff and students. That was quite different to actually what the students had been told who were occupying the building. Um, They were told by a senior executive within the university that the university, the position, they hadn't changed. And the the position that they had committed to previously, that they were not considering divestment, that hadn't changed. And that the meeting at 4 p.m. wasn't to discuss the possibilities of divestment. So that's what the students occupying the building were told. And given that, it's quite understandable that they were, when the university told the students that they could have a meeting provided if they leave, There was no point to the students at that stage for having that meeting because the university had said that nothing was going to come from the meeting. Did the university say the meeting was just a token gesture then? Essentially, yes. Not using those words, but that was essentially what the students were told that were occupying the building. In the same statement, UNSW also says it has to remain neutral around this issue so it can provide a platform for debate. What's your response to that? 
Our response to that is that the neutrality that they talk about, it's a veil over the fact that any choices that the university makes about their investments, about climate change, is essentially a political one. You know, the university is trying to show itself um, as being neutral on this issue, as doing other kinds of work on climate change, such as research in renewable energy projects. But really, something that the students understand and a lot of people understand is that climate change is a political issue. It's an inherently political issue. The reason why we don't have strong action on climate change from our federal and state governments is because the fossil fuel industry has such a powerful influence over our government. It's because they donate millions and millions of dollars to our major political parties and in return get huge subsidies from the federal government in exchange. And so under, in this kind of political environment that we have, when Vice Chancellor Ian Jacobs says that he doesn't want to divest for fear of being political, he is actually already being political by choosing to continue to invest in the industry. And this is something that students understand. And the question isn't about whether or not you're being political. The question is about which side the university is choosing in this debate. Are they going to continue to invest in the fossil fuel industry and choose the side of the dirty polluters? Or are they going to choose the side of the students and the future that they have and their need for having a safe and livable climate that they can grow up in, that they can use their university degrees in, into the future? A lot of universities would also argue some of these investments also help the fossil fuel companies who use these fossil fuels, who produce these fossil fuels, actually transition to renewable sources as well. I'm just wondering what's your take on that? I think the suggestion that fossil fuel companies that have their primary business coming from the extraction of coal or gas, um, say for example, Whitehaven or Santos, the suggestion that they are using what revenue they have to um, shift out of coal, oil, gas, I think that's quite, quite a ludicrous suggestion. Their primary business is in the digging up of these fossil fuels, and that's not going to change. If, if we are looking to shift our economy away from fossil fuels to renewable energies, then the idea that we can do that by investing in fossil fuel companies, I think that's quite absurd, really, and a lot of students and staff can see through that argument. We'll move away from you, NSW. Swinburne and Monash have committed to divest, and Swinburne wasn't even part of your campaign. What's your response? So that's an excellent commitment that we're seeing from Swinburne. And I think a lot of universities, as they see what is happening on other campuses, as they see students and staff and alumni standing up and calling for divestment, they'll see that it's in their own interest to move first on this and to try and be a leader. And I think Swinburne's done an excellent job of this. They're taking a leadership opportunity and they're really raising ahead before anyone else to, to try and seize that. And universities that divest, will be seen um, more and more over time, will be seen as the ones that are making the right decisions, and it will be very good for their reputations. I mean, something that is less visible at Swinburne, once again, is the fact that there has been a student campaign there, and it's the same for Monash University. So they're not doing this um, out of thin air. The campaigns have definitely been less escalatory than the ones that we're seeing at UQ or University of Melbourne or UNSW now. But the results, are coming from the fact that students and staff have been campaigning there and calling for divestment. You mentioned the University of Melbourne, we'll go there. Whose idea was it to get naked on top of the building? 
<laughs> that was the student's idea. They um <laughs> they thought it would be a, a creative and cheeky way to draw attention to what's going on, and it, the the media has responded to it in a fantastic way. We had Channel Nine News, Channel Ten News, um, and the Australian on the scene there, um, and it got covered in six or seven different online outlets last night. So the media response has been fantastic. And they've just used that momentum. The students have used the momentum and the media attention from that to continue into today, where at the moment they're currently blockading all five entrances by the fire exits. They're blocking all five entrances to the chancellery building, stopping work for the day and calling for the university to expedite its moves to divest. And Melbourne, though, University of Melbourne hasn't been really impressed by it. It says it has an eight-month consultation period around divestment and it won't be held hostage to a prank. So what would you say to that? I think you know, it, is, it is... I can understand that the university might want to have its own consultation process and timeline. But what this really shows is that there is quite a lack of trust within the student and staff body about Melbourne University's intentions. Now, the university at no point has given an indication that divestment is going to happen, that they are very interested in divestment. There's no positive affirmation whatsoever. And so a lot of times students and staff see consultation as a stalling tactic or simply a bureaucratic process. And I think students and staff are wary of the University of Melbourne doing that now. And especially given that the working group that they set up last year to discuss investments and sustainability, that it hasn't even met. And so given this, the students can't wait for the university to end an end-month consultation process and then not get to divestment on the other side. That's too great a risk given the emergency and the, the immediate need that we have to act on climate. And would all this just go a lot smoother if students were just kept in the loop? I think. If the universities have genuine intentions to divest, then it would go a lot smoother if they were kept in the loop. However, if the universities don't have these intentions, um, no amount of keeping in the loop is going to suffice. There are other protests that will be going on throughout the week. What's next? So tomorrow we have at the University of Queensland. So they've had a fantastic result from the occupation, but they'll be keeping up the pressure outside of the Chancery Building as the Senate meets tomorrow. And they'll be using that as an opportunity to not just to keep up the pressure, but to draw in more and more students about this. So I think something that's not understood very well by university executives is the depth of feeling that students have about this. Students are really passionate about this. And we're not just using these actions in flood the campus to get media attention on these issues. We're actually using these actions to build our base of supporters and to build the capacity that we have to campaign into the future. We're building the base of power that we need to get the outcomes that we want. So that's what's happening at the University of Queensland. At the University of New South Wales, they're, they're taking a slightly different approach. And given that they saw the university wasn't willing to move on divestment. They were told that the university wasn't going to consider it. They thought they would uh, formalize the university's relationship to fossil fuels a little bit more. And so they are going to stage a mock wedding ceremony tomorrow to uh, 
put a ring on the relationship between fossil fuels and the university. Especially with the UQ process, you aren't worried that students may accidentally sabotage their own negotiations? I think the, the vice chancellor and the executives at University of Queensland can be assured that tomorrow's protest will be a peaceful one. Students are pleased with the outcomes of the negotiations and they are willing to give the negotiations a go. And they're willing to see what will happen and what will come of the meeting they have scheduled for May the 3rd with the Vice-Chancellor. If that meeting doesn't satisfy, then students will have to reconsider their options. But for the moment, the protests um, will remain an amicable one. I'd just like to add that Australian universities have a fantastic opportunity here. And at the moment, they're starting to fall out of line with what universities around the world are doing. And actually, just last week, Yale made moves to divest from coal and oil. Um, Stanford University has already partially divested. These world-class unis are moving on this, and Australian universities are falling behind. 